Tell me more about how his eyes look, Simon. It's almost <laughs> as if Simon enjoys being chastised by Baz or something. Like, is this how you describe your enemies? It's really not. Hot. Yeah, like, basically. <laughs> I feel like I just want to be, like, quote-unquote enemies for every time we bring up Baz. Want to get sexy? Yeah, let's get to the sexy stuff. Hello, and welcome to Escape from Reality, a podcast where two queer IRL witches read Carry On by Rainbow Rowell and talk about it. I'm Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Jesse Blount. And today we are talking about chapters 70 and 71 of Carry On. We are officially in book four and 15 chapters from the end of this book. Mm-hmm. So how exciting for everyone who is waiting for us to spoil both the next two books. Uh-huh. Yeah, good reminder, everyone. We're like seven episodes away from the end of Carry On, and you need to read both Wayward Sun and Any Way the Wind Blows before we finish this book. All right. <clears throat> Chapter 70. We get uh, Nico's POV. He's just doing some reflecting on what troublemakers him and Eb and Fiona used to be uh, on his way to the saddest Christmas tradition between Hib and Eb, where he hangs out in their parents' backyard, and Eb sort of talks at him about her year. This year she's late, and after one of his nibblings tells him that the mage has arrested Eb, he's off to go find her. Chapter 71. Simon. Simon wakes up hungry, not a euphemism, before realizing it's not him exactly, it's his connection to the humdrum. Simon follows this this connection deep into the pitch woods while the humdrum pulls at his magic. The humdrum, who is still in the form of little Simon, is waiting, having ensnared Baz to do his bidding. Baz already wants all of Simon, and Simon wants to give it all to him. Yes, a euphemism. (laughs) And also literally what happens, but... (laughs) Also a euphemism. So after some uh, sexy grappling in the snow, Simon pours... So much of his magic into Baz, healing him and breaking the spell. Uh, Baz. Baz literally cannot right now with the whole, the humdrum looks like Simon or is Simon or whatever the fuck is going on because he's been magically railed with an inch of his life between two impossible beings. Uh, <laughs> Simon is comforting Baz and upset about Baz being manipulated to get to him. Baz is still over the whole Simon may be the big bad. And then back to Simon. Uh, Simon is trying to explain the humdrum isn't him, but Baz is sort of punch drunk and saying whatever the hell comes to his mind, which is very cute. But alas, the boys get to the edge of the woods and Simon needs to get the fuck out because he's kind of made the whole pitch manor a dead zone. Yes, indeed. Um... Brief reminders, obviously we're spoiling everything through the end of this book, but currently nothing from the sequels. Also, this is where I remind you to go leave us a review and also thank our latest reviewer, who is Pleasant Boat, which is lovely. (laughs) Um, And your review is also lovely and we're very thankful. And now we will turn to... Easy come, easy go, where we talk about everything that doesn't belong anywhere else. 
Um, okay, so people who listen to both The Gaily Prophet and this podcast will probably remember that a really, really long time ago, I went on a long rant about the word cash, the abbreviation of casual, and the way that it's spelled. And I maybe it was the like second or third time that I ever talked about carry on on The Gaily Prophet and how it's used in this book. And it like gave me a panic attack being like, what the fuck am I reading right now? <laughs> Um, so, and we're here, we've made it, we've made it to the, the spelling of cash. Uh, the deer is described as walking up to Eb cash as fuck. And it is spelled C-A-S-Z-H. I like completely forgot about that rant, but I did notice that where my brain is like, what? And then it's like, I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, which is fair. Um, it. I think is very fascinating. So it's spelled like that. There are several spellings of cash. It's spelled like that because we don't have a, a z letter, right? Mm. There is one in Russian. So I'm going to link to a Slate article where like five different people argue that their way of spelling cash is the right way to spell cash, which is lovely and everyone should read it. Uh, I think the most persuasive argument is from the person who says that we should just use the Russian letter that makes that sound, even though it's not part of our alphabet. Someone else argues that we should use the, like, phonetic alphabet symbol, which looks mm. something like a cursive Z and a cursive G had a baby. Yeah. Which I also like. But then there's this spelling. Other people want it to be spelled C-A-J. Another argument is that it's a fucking abbreviation. Just stop it at the S and put a little, whatever this is called, apostrophe. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then the other, I think, most stressful option is C-A-J-Z-H, which still, like, makes sense, but is still very stressful. Yeah, I mean, as as someone who already has, like, issues with spelling our ridiculous fucking language, uh, I would like to go for whatever the fuck is the easiest to spell, which I feel like would just be, like, if you're just abbreviating it. But, or even like C A J, because yeah, C A S Z H is something I'm never gonna remember how to spell. Like I'm just like what? And also, it only makes sense if you're really like, if you know what it's doing, and you're really thinking about okay, S Z H makes z, which I don't think it does. I think J Z H actually makes more sense for making that sound. Yeah, no, I think you're But it looks like someone just, like, threw a bunch of alphabet blocks up in the air, and that's how they landed. Yeah, it, like, doesn't feel, like, intuitive, I guess. Right. So, or even if, unlike so many strict, awful grammar people, I love the way that internet speak has shortened so many things that I find difficult to spell. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like for if like the internet was going to shorten cash to like, you know, casual to cash, I feel like it would just be like, uh, I feel like it would just be like C-A-Z, honestly. Mm. Or. Yeah. It's funny because pre, pre looking this up because I was like, you know, reading the book and saw the word and did the thing in your Kindle where you click on the word and then the dictionary is like, this is the thing. But the dictionary was like, I don't know. 
And I was like, oh no, <laughs> now I have to get my phone out. Like what's <laughs> happening? Um, pre- previous to that happening, I I think had just never seen Cash written and had never thought about it. But it's like, as soon as you think about it, you're like, yeah, there's literally no way to spell that sound in English. Yeah. Which seems so weird, considering mm-hmm. how common that sound is. Mm-hmm. I find this fascinating. I hope our listeners aren't bored, but also I don't really care because it's fascinating. Yeah. Uh, if you're not here for us to get weird about linguistics, I don't like, <laughs> I think you're what are you here i mean i guess all the other fun stuff that we do but the linguistics anyway i find the english language interestingly uh, very fascinating and also very terrible as someone whose brain is very bad at (laughs) trying to spell any of the words in the english language i think that's it i think that's all i've got on this particular subject okay i have to say that i actually think it's very nice that Baz's family, and probably honestly his dad, keeps the woods stocked full of deer for him. Mm-hmm. I feel like from Baz's perspective, you're kind of like, you're not that great of a dad. But that is at least the bare minimum. I mean, the bar's in hell. But like, <laughs> it's like, good job doing the bare minimum for your child. Yeah, it is. I was going to say sweet, but it's also just very practical. Like, I yeah. don't know what else they would do. Actually, I guess I was thinking it's probably more practical than having horses because then you'd have to explain to the other siblings what keeps happening to the horses, <laughs> which could be... And horses are so expensive. Yeah, I about to say horses are expensive. Yeah. But also bigger. Like, I mean, I guess you said he could drain a pony pretty quickly, but if, he, if they had like draft horses, maybe he could drain them and not totally kill them, but then maybe they would just get spooked because it's like whoa creature with knives for a mouth um i actually don't want you getting anywhere close to me i feel like his reference to draining a pony previously was like the vampire version of the like i'm so hungry i could eat a horse not like he's literally gonna eat a horse you know what i mean yeah i feel like baz wouldn't eat a horse doesn't feel in character for him i mean i'm just saying he doesn't have to kill the horse he could just he doesn't know that that's true oh that is true um all right i just wrote everything that's happening with simon's magic in this chapter is super tragic and super fucked up but we're taking any moments that we can get for levity in this chapter um so i'm gonna play the wet ass magic sound effect (laughs) (laughs) yeah A lot of sloshing and spilling, uh, pooling. It's very, very wet, his magic right It, It really, it truly, it truly is. Uh, (laughs) And yeah, Baz wants all of it, so. He sure does. (laughs) Oh, jeez. Sorry, I just keep thinking about the, like, Big Mac truck line from WAP. And I'm like, <laughs> it is a little bit what's happening here, actually. But, like, magically. <laughs> I feel like it's more of a, like, I want to choke, I want to gag. That's true. I think you're all right. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's how Bass feels about Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a great song WAP is. And I'm so glad that we can <laughs> give it to the 
I'm just really embarrassed right now that I got those backwards. For the record, I know that that's not the order that it goes in. Don't want to spit. I want to gulp. I want to gag. I want to choke. I got it. We're there good. you go. Yeah. Okay. Baz is described as plowing into Simon like a steel griffin, which I looked up. It's a field hockey stick. Really? <laughs> yes. I was just like, what is this weird metaphor? Okay. But I'm glad it's an actual thing. It, it's not a saying for the record. Like that only appears in Carry On, but it's a professional field hockey stick. I guess that makes sense since this is essentially a tackle. So Yeah, and Agatha <laughs> plays field hockey, so Yeah. I forgot. And she about probably that. has the best field hockey stick. Oh, I mean she does. <laughs> She has the firebolt of field hockey sticks, whatever she that is. She does. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. And then my last thing here is that we get the line that time travel isn't magic, which I think is like a petty fucking jab at the Harry Potter series <laughs> like for no reason. And it makes me so happy. I just think it's great. That is pretty great. I see a little silhouette of a man. Welcome to I See a Little Silhouette of a Man, where we talk about character development. Uh, Nico? Nico. What you got? Such a punk, Nico. (laughs) He is, he's lovely. Uh, just the dialogue, just the way that his dialogue is written in this chapter is, it is so amusing to me. <laughs> I wrote that he talks like Spike if Spike wasn't being sold to American viewers. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Actually, I was like going through the chapter and I was just like reading it and like, in my brain, I'm just like, just sub in like Spike's voice. Yeah, exactly. It works, like he said, shockingly well. <laughs> Uh, i just i think he's like really lovely but also so much of his chapter just like gets me right in the feels just because he fucking loves ab so much and it just makes me like just like sob emoji the whole like everything that he says about her just makes me want to just start crying yeah no he says so many lovely things about her the fact that they only get to spend time together for an hour and a half at Christmas at night is just, it is crushing. Yeah, it really is. And just, I don't know, the bit with the like house, his parents' magical house still accepting him as family was also just, could you just, like he's having feelings, I'm like having all these feelings. Mm-hmm. Just, it's very sad. It is really sad. 20 years. It's been 20 years since he's been in his parents' house. Just. (sighs) Yeah. So I think the last thing I want to say about Nicodemus is that, you know, him and Eb and Fiona are our marauders of this book. Mm -hmm. And... I love them. I think that they're much more relatable uh, than the 
Harry Potter Marauders. Um, and I just really love like the, a couple of things that he says, where he says, we was so brute who was going to stop us. Um, I think is lovely. And then when he says like getting away with it, wasn't the point. The point was that we were young and free and full of magic. And I don't know, that maybe feels like the most like true thing about being a teenager that I've ever read. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, you're just like, right, the thought process of doing a thing is like, because I can. Well, why the fuck not? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, no, it just, I feel like it does paint such a good picture of sort of what they were all like when they were like, carefree. He, uh, and the possibilities of what to do with all of the magic that they collectively and individually have, you know? Mm -hmm. I find it interesting, and by interesting I mean very sad, that he is intentionally ignoring Fiona. I mean, I guess not that she has necessarily sought him out either, but I don't know, it's that, like, that awareness that, like, he could but doesn't, it just seems... Like, oh, you think about this a lot, don't you? And it's just also deeply sad. Because, I don't know. I think maybe understandably, considering his role in Natasha's death, uh, probably does not want Fiona to light him on fire. And maybe not his role, but just kind of like being a vampire. Like, it's just like, it could go either way if he were to be like, you know, roll up at her at a club and be like, oh, hey, Fiona, you know? Right. Yeah, I was just, I mean, I think it's reasonable for him to be concerned about that. I was just wondering, like, if I think she would, because I don't think she would. I think she also is still as hung up on him as he is on her. No, I actually, I do agree with that. I think he doesn't know that, though. Right. No, of course not. Yeah. And I do think you're right that she probably wouldn't murder him on sight. Also might depend on the day, because I feel like Fiona is like extremely uh reactive so like if he caught her at the wrong time she might do it and then like feel terrible for the rest of her life you know yeah uh so let's talk about ebb i don't know if we've mentioned this before but confirmation that ebb does in fact attract animals like a fucking disney princess mm-hmm. <laughs> which is the kind of magical powers i would want or like an innate magic where the animals are just like want to hang out with you which is very cute. It is. And like, str- that that is strong enough in her that she could fucking attract a dryad, which doesn't seem easy given our interaction with the dryad earlier this book. Yeah, for sure. So just, I mean, I think that we've said before that we're like, Eb is the second most tragic character in this book, which I think is mostly just because she dies. But um, this way that she talks to her brother without talking to him it just breaks my whole heart is what it does it is tragic yeah i don't know i don't know what more to say aside from that it breaks my whole heart it is so sad and then you're you know when you think back on on the kids reflection of ebb it's like yes it makes sense that you have some chronic grief and depression stuff going on that it's hard to process because you still do on occasion see your twin brother who is kind of dead but not and i don't even mean in the vampire sense as mean literally dead to the world except not really and it's 
what a terrible gray area to be in. Yeah. Because it's not like she could move on from that, really. Yeah, how do you heal from something like that? It's an ongoing wound. Yeah. I do think, though, that given this chapter where Nico sort of reminiscing on the days where him and Eb just didn't give a fuck about anything. Mm-hmm. I can't help but I can't help but wonder if Eb completely losing her taste for rule breaking after Nico becomes a vampire and then that whole thing happens and it's just like cool, this doesn't seem fun anymore at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> On top of being like, how do I process this deeply traumatic thing that has just happened? And I mean, I think for Nico also is like, yeah, how do you process this thinking you're going to be this like all powerful, incredible, immortal being. And now you're just in the shadow of all of the worlds, you know? Yeah, no, he's so clearly as stuck in the past, like unable to mature as Fiona is. They, I think something just broke in both of them when they're respective tragedies occurred yeah i feel like with ebb too there has to be a piece of it that she's from this like low status family and she's got all this power and once nico became a vampire by choice like there must have been like a pretty real and rational fear for her that if she didn't behave perfectly that they would just like lock her up preemptively to stop her Hmm. or maybe go after nico as opposed to just breaking his wand and removing his fangs right yeah so i feel like there's got to be a lot of fear in that too and no one ever fucking tried to make her help her heal you know baz's mom was like stay here like you don't have to go out into the world but like that's also kind of like enabling i feel like because i've just got to like hide and wallow essentially yeah you know she never really formed new connections with people i don't know i think it's i think it's very sad yeah no it is it is very sad um the last thing that I have about Eb is just how much I love that she got in a fight with the mage about the merwolves. I love that that was the thing that she was like, no, like, we're going to have a goddamn conversation. Fuck these merwolves. Um, and also that she uses her, like, unbelievable powers to just spell them to sleep all day, every day. Incredible. I mean, the Merewolves do seem very dangerous for both her beloved goats and the children at a fucking school. Yeah, they really do. It's like, uh, you have all of this, ma- like, you have magical powers and this is how you're gonna, quote unquote, protect the school. Yeah, I don't know about that. They can, the like, the information that they can come up on land, that they're like, I don't know, a turtle or something. <laughs> like, I assume they don't have to breathe air. Because she can spell them to the bottom all day without them drowning. Maybe they're like seals where they have front, maybe they have front wolf parts and then, you know, aquatic back parts. 
Right. I mean, I was thinking kind of, right, that they would breathe, right, like seals or whales or something. But if they're sleeping at the bottom of the moat all day, isn't that too long for them to go without breathing? Like, don't whales and stuff sleep with their, like, floating at the top so that they can breathe? I think it depends on the animal. Like, sperm whales sleep, like, vertically in the water, right? We've suddenly entered the, is this just fantasy section? (laughs) (sighs) And yet there are still werewolves <laughs> at the school. <laughs> there sure are. Good good job, the mage, with that one. Yep. Alright, so Baz. I I mean he's clearly in that like post something terrible almost happened, adrenaline state where like everything's really funny and you're like kinda high. But I just really love the way he processes Simon being the humdrum. He's like, Simon's the humdrum. And then he's like, that means Simon's a fucking villain. Can I date a villain? And then he's like, literally don't care. I love you so much. And also, like, this is great. You're like a disaster. I'm a disaster. Let's just make out. This is perfect. Yeah, I think I do just love that he was like, we match. And I'm like, bro. (laughs) (laughs) This is both funny and sad because you're not an evil villain, Bez. Uh, But it's also very funny. I mean, I think he means that they match in like levels of messiness. Mm -hmm. But also kind of in villaininess. Like Simon has been concerned about dating a villain this whole book too. And they both are like, if we're villains, it's not really through any choice of our own. This is true. Welcome to Face the Truth, where we talk about politics and things that are fucked up. All right, so the mages come by to arrest Eb on some bullshit trumped-up charges because he is the worst. Which, I mean, even though they don't have cops, he can still arrest her, which is still confusing, probably with his merry men or whatever the fuck he's calling his militia. It's just uh, super shitty and, you know, ACAB. Yeah. Absolutely. Do you, I mean, I don't, I don't think he even like gave a reason. Probably. Probably not. Like, you have to come with me. Like he's the fucking CIA or something. Just like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right. He, he wouldn't have to. He's the fucking mage. He's the head of mages or whatever. And yeah. probably had like five magically armed disenfranchised teenage boys with him. So. Yikes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Nothing you want showing up on your door on fucking Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve? Christmas Day? I think it's Christmas Eve. Right, because we're still, we're still, it's still Christmas Eve, everyone. Three hours ago, Simon had a very awkward Christmas Eve dinner with Baz's family. Yeah, no, it is. It's still Christmas Eve because, because Simon's arrival at Penny's house in the next chapter makes Santa forget to come, which is very sad mm-hmm. and understandable. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Caught in a Landslide, where we rant about stuff. Nico saying that Ev has never been one for politics when she's like three chapters away from being murdered about politics is like a fucking knife to the heart. Like, 
so rude oh my god she's literally just been vibing these past 20 years and all of a sudden the majors rolls up and is like actually i have to sacrifice you and it's like yeah it just makes it so much worse yeah it's so much worse than someone like dying for the cause i was like i'm just trying to fucking hang out with my goats stop like just everybody leave me alone and like she can't she can't be left alone yeah i hate it yeah I have a, a interesting hypothesis for you Ooh. as my one thing in this section. So Nico is like, Fiona's family never would have approved of us as a match. But then he's like, I wonder what would have happened if me and Fiona would have had a couple of kids. And I'm like, what, what, potentially what could have happened if Nico didn't become a vampire and in fact was just like, fuck your family, we're going to hook up. And, like, be together. And I don't know if it actually changes anything canonically, but, I mean, maybe it does. Because then maybe him and Eb and Fiona are still rolling deep. And Eb does not have to die in this in this tragic way after leading a very sad 20 years of life. I don't know. Fiona could have, like, taken Baz with the rest of her kids and be like, actually, you just live with me now in London. Sorry. I mean, I definitely think it would change a lot of things canonically. Yeah, <laughs> would be a very different person. I don't think Eb would be the school goat herd. No. Yeah. I I think that if he hadn't crossed over, him and Fiona would have broken up briefly when they graduated because she would have been trying to like do what her family expected of her. And then she would have realized that she didn't like that at all and like fuck that completely. And then they would have gotten back together and it would have been like, a whole thing for a little while and then it would have settled the fuck down or if it didn't settle down it would have as soon as natasha died because it would have been like this is a moment for family like we have to accept the fact that you married this like low class superpower magician he was still wearing black eyeliner (laughs) i'm sure they both were they're both still wearing (laughs) black Look, if we're honest, shouldn't we all be wearing black eyeliner all the time? This is true. Everyone looks hotter with black eyeliner. Words of advice. Good words of advice to live by. (laughs) I think at least at the very least, Baz maybe would have had a happier childhood. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Because, Because if Fiona had someone to like truly lean on in that, probably both a partner and like a best friend in Nico and Eb in that I think she would have gotten through it a lot better Baz would have had like a stable place to spend time away from his you know grieving dad yeah I definitely think someone to just be like fuck you're like rich people bullshit mm-hmm. <laughs> you know where it's like right as opposed to Baz growing up being in all the closets <laughs> not like all the closets but being like can't talk about being a vampire. Don't know anything about being a vampire. Also, I'm gay, which is real awkward because I'm the last, the heir to the grim pitch, blah blah It'd be yeah. like, don't give a fuck about that stuff. I mean, I think maybe a little bit about the whole, like, last remaining. But they wouldn't, he wouldn't be the last one because, like, Fiona would have maybe a couple of very funny punk children. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I like this AU. I need. I was like, this is too sad. This entire thing. I'm like, I need to think of something. I just need an AU where like the, you know, everyone lives, no one dies. 
Uh, and it's just, I don't know. Right. Emotional validation for, for people. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe you're right. Maybe Eb can go and live her life, like live a full life doing stuff, hanging out with animals, having a cool girlfriend, you know? Yep. And not being sacrificed by the fucking mage. Exactly. All right. All right. Um, so the humdrum is, I think the creepiest fucking villain so much more unnerving than anything Voldemort has ever done including being like a terrifying scaly baby yes yes I feel like part of it is because the humdrum hits on some really good just I mean creepy children number one Mm -hmm. saying creepy things being sort of matter of fact you can't actually stop me because I am a force of nature kind of deal but also that he's the hunter is sort of transparent but is gaining a more physical presence in a way that is just also inherently creepy yeah and the way he's like looking for Simon's approval but in a way that like doesn't it's not it doesn't make the humdrum vulnerable at all it just yeah. makes simon more uncomfortable yeah is so unsettling yeah yeah if we ever get a television adaptation of these books this is going to be a very excellent creepy scene because you can do because cgi is good now you can really have the whole like appearing into like reappearing and like going through things but then slowly being able to manipulate it until the like twig breaks or whatever yeah I feel like the only other villain that I can think of that sort of comes close to making me feel as, like, unsettled in my body is the dude with the branch in front of his face and the magicians. The book. That was very creepy and fucked up. Okay, so. Baz processing Simon, (laughs) wanting to be with him way back a few chapters ago. He's like... I'm in love with him, and he likes this better than fighting. And we're like, (gasps) and then the fucking humdrum is watching Simon dump his magic into Baz to save him and goes, wow, that's even better than fighting. And it sucks. Oh my god, like it's so good. It's like such a good callback. And also it just makes my, I just like... I don't, I don't know how to describe the feeling that it gives me, but it's a lot of feeling. I feel like it just makes my skin crawl. It's just so, like, fucking creepy and unnerving and just like, oh, no. No, you nailed it. It's like he tainted this beautiful moment that we had. Yeah. He just took it and de- de- defiled it. And yes. then we're like, no, give that back to me. I liked it a lot. Right. Welcome to I'm Just a Poor Boy, where we talk about ways that you can support this podcast. And this episode, I'm going to talk to you about donations. There are three ways that you can make one-time donations to our podcast. There's a donate button on our website, and we have a Venmo and a PayPal, which are both at The Gaily Profit. Um, Donations are super helpful, and we are incredibly grateful to all of you who have donated so far to support our work over the past year plus because we've apparently been making this podcast for like a year and three months or something now which is 
wild. It, it really is wild. So yeah, thanks for shoving some dollar bills into our uh, little tip jar. <laughs> it's one of those clever ones that has like a meme on it about tipping. I can't think of one, but <laughs> if I can think of one right now, that's would be on our tip jar. <laughs> Welcome to Sun Shivers Down My Spine, where we talk about sexy stuff. Just Baz casually ripping up a whole ass tree like it was a fucking straw. (laughs) Just, what? Are you shitting me? Yes! Incredible! Uh, Yeah, that's hot. I just have uh, just a string of like question mark, exclamation mark, question mark. So it's the line of them yeah. in my notes because I'm just like, what? Oh my God. I hope that Simon files that information away for later. You know, he's like, oh, Baz could pick me up over his head and throw me. Like noted. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Um, I'm so hungry and you're so full. You can have it, Baz. You know you can have it. I'm sorry, when did we get into a porn? What? <laughs> like literally not a euphemism. I know. Oh my god, it's so hot. I guess I guess maybe this is p- part two of having the wet ass magic uh sound clip in the episode. <laughs> I'm sorry, I should have you're like taking a sip of your drink. <sighs> yep. Or maybe this song is really, like, sexual healing, since magic sex seemed to have healed Baz from both the humdrum's influence and his lingering limp from uh, Mm -hmm. earlier this book. Yeah, I do wish it had healed him of his vampirism, honestly. Not for us as readers, but for Baz. Mm -hmm. The sequel to these books would be very different. Yeah, they sure would. Uh, uh, I also just want to point out just that uh, Baz compares the way that Simon smells to bacon and homemade cinnamon cinnamon buns. Mm-hmm. Which is that sounds great. Yeah, what a great way to smell. And also the restraint of not earlier being like, okay, I know that we hate each other, but <laughs> what if we just fooled around? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess it's like more cute than sexy, but we get just like really cute stuff at the end of Simon's chapter. Baz calls him criminally good looking, which is so sweet. And then he says, everything makes me want to kiss you. I know. It's like there's just no brain to mouth filter and all the things that he's saying is so cute and tender. Yeah. It's just We should get Baz high more often, I think, is what we're learning in this chapter. Yeah. Yeah, more, they should, they need to do more partying with the rest of the students. Yeah. (laughs) Though I guess maybe he would, I don't know, maybe there would be a concern that he would feel too loose and, like, his fangs would pop or something, I don't know. Yeah, but he can party with Simon and maybe Penny, though Penny seems like she would not be the most fun to be high with. 
I feel like Penny seems the kind of person who would like get high and then want to have a really like deep philosophical conversation. But you're like, I am too high to <laughs> put together the, the connections that you are. And I'm sorry, but I cannot. Yep, exactly. <laughs> oh. I just have Simon's. It's so good. It's been so good every time. Great. <laughs> All these boys. Yeah. Um, and then finally, we have our Kiss Kill Improvise. All right. And for you this week, you have to choose between our marauders. So Nicodemus, Ebb, and Fiona. All right. This is a very this is a very hard decision, but I think. I think I gotta kill Nico. Not that he's not, of course, probably incredibly attractive, but I mean, I could just make out with Eb instead. Mm-hmm. And also, we could hang out with animals all the time. So, which is, I love nothing more than to do that. <laughs> Having said that, though, I think I would improvise with Fiona, who seems like she's a good time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. So you're kissing Eb? Yes, I'm kissing Eb and. Probably doing a lot of ill-advised body shots and questionable drugs. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent, excellent reasoning. Is this just fantasy? Welcome to Is This Just Fantasy? Where we talk about magic and science and magical science. I don't have mine in order. I have them in order of like heaviness, starting with the heaviest so that we can end on a light note because this has been a heavy episode. All right. The humdrum calls Baz a creature. He says it's easy with creatures. Is Baz a creature? I mean, no. I mean, no full period. I am curious though, what about Baz's vampirism makes him easier to manipulate than a mage who is not a vampire i had a thought that he's not that it just is that his like knowledge of and proximity to simon and i i haven't fully thought this through so i'm really interested to hear what you think Hmm. if the humdrum did his void pushing into a regular just some vampire off the street. Um, especially some vampire with no connection to the world of mages who like doesn't know that Simon exists. Would that vampire be drawn to Simon? Interesting. Maybe not. Because it would just be like, well, now I'm just hungry. So I'm just going to go eat some people and call it good and not necessarily be like, let me find the biggest magical source to go drain or something, what have you. That's how I feel too. Because I think that vampires are primarily human. And I think that what the humdrum does with like animal creatures is relying on like like a sort of primal sense that they have where they're like basically sniffing out the thing that's going to cure them of the, the yeah. need that they have. Yeah. But I think that we've basically lost our ability to do that without like higher reasoning to guide us. And so I think a vampire would just be like, why do I feel so terrible? But wouldn't have, you know, we've evolved, they've evolved out of the sense of like, how do I like 
hunt down the solution to my problem. Mm, yeah. No, I, I think you're right. And especially if it's majority of proximity to Simon, where it sounds like the humdrum has also sort of uh, done things to both Simon and Agatha. Obviously not the same thing. Wait, what do you mean? I guess, okay, so like, it sounds like, you know, before before this book, Simon and Penny and Agatha, to some extent, have gotten into trouble with Simon when he's been on, like, oh, the humdrum's trying to get me kind of misadventures. Mm-hmm. And since that, Baz is now Simon's boyfriend with a, like, connection to him. The Baz is like, the humdrum is like, you will do. Mm-hmm. You you are in this proximity to Simon that will draw him to me. So, right, and you're and you're conveniently uh, a hungry vampire that I can uh, just twist. I mean, I think that the humdrum could do it to any human. He just doesn't know that. And mm-hmm. like his idea is that he, like he can do this with Baz because Baz is a vampire. But yeah, but it's really like he could do this to Baz because Baz has a intimate relationship with Simon and a connection with him. Yeah, the humdrum's, like, causal reasoning here is incorrect. Like, this isn't effective because Baz is a vampire. It's just because Baz is Simon's boyfriend. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I really hate it when he says, I've never done it with one of these before. Also very gross. Smack him. Don't like that at all. Yeah. I guess it's it's hard to say what... I mean, obviously the humdrum is a fucking douchebag. <laughs> um... But it's also just sort of like a weird, like it's a like literal force of nature that has only some sort of consciousness to it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like mostly just, I don't know how to describe it. The, just the opposing physical force that is Simon and not necessarily a whole, a being that is maybe as good as a, like thinking out a process so much as. I mean, it's like hunting, essentially. And maybe not much more brain thinking past that, I suppose. I mean, I mean, I guess besides some, like, really gross malice glee at being like, oh, a new toy to manipulate Simon with. I mean, I think that it gets smarter every time Simon goes off because I think Simon pours more of himself into the humdrum every time. Yeah. Which is like, God, how terrifying would the humdrum be if it didn't end here? Like if we, if it had five more years of growth, you know? Yeah. I mean, it would probably be a beyond England problem at that point. Mm -hmm. Uh, It would have to be a very like epic, we're all going to have to band together or this thing is literally going to consume all of the magic in the world kind of deal. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. I think you're right. I think they're very lucky that England is an island. Yeah. Um, what do you have first here? I guess just kind of get a little bit in just sort of like the Simon and the humdrum being kind of like, I don't want to say like two sides of the same coin, but it's sort of like. Equal and opposite reaction. Yeah. They're like either end of a seesaw or something mm-hmm. and how they just like affect each other in a way that no one is putting together until like like the, like this right this moment right now is the pieces are starting to like fit together where it's like where the humdrum is like I'm what's left when you're done 
and it's like, ooh, mm-hmm. that's not what you want to hear. Yeah. I think I had a similar a similar question of like, like what did the mages spell do, basically? Because like Simon's magic is so loose, for lack of a better word. Like it I I the only thing I could think of as a possible metaphor, I guess this is a simile, um, is like charging a phone with a charger that's meant for an iPad you know, like too high of voltage or amperage or whatever. But like it too much power is coursing through it, right? You can like fuck up your phone's battery if you charge it for too long with a with a charger that's like got that's for a bigger device. So it's like, is that what's going on with Simon? Like his cable is just funneling too much magic from wherever magic lives in the ether into him? I don't know. I don't know. I was kind of thinking about it more like Simon is a very poorly maintained fire hose of magic and like the water is in a well and the water is whatever whatever magic comes from and sort of like if you overpump a well or an underground aqu- aquifers, like an underground water source, like it dries up. And mm-hmm. kind of the humdrum is that well just drying up, or not like that well, but like underground water sources aren't that like aren't like a smooth pool. There are different levels and blah de blah. And so Simon is just the conduit for which the magic is flowing out really quickly, and the humdrum is just places where that magic has just been sucked out. So wait, I really like this. So thinking of magic as like a closed loop like the water cycle so somehow magic self basically self-replicates when used in moderation when used normally but basically simon is like nestle coming in and like sucking a lake dry and shipping the water away so that it's not being put back into the atmosphere like where it came from yeah i i think that gets kind of as close to how i'm understanding it because you know, so Simon pours all this magic into Baz, and if he's, say, somehow sucking on, like, the magical pond that is the Grim Pitch Manor, and he's just sucked all of that dry in order to pull, to dump all of that magic into Baz, you know? And the humdrum just kind of just like, cool, this is exactly what makes me stronger, so thanks for that. Yeah. The holes aren't always nearby to where the event happens yeah but i don't think that really changes anything about the theory i like this i think this makes sense especially since simon's magic is sort of very described as a very wet ass magic where Mm -hmm. it's just sort of like he's you know whatever uh natural stops are fail safes that you know penny is powerful but she's not draining all of magic dry but for whatever reason simon is just yeah it's like hooking up a fire hose or whatever the heck nestle uses to suck water out of a lake as opposed to right some faucets that turn on and off yeah yeah no i think that makes sense because if it is sort of something where like magic goes out and then it like sort of replenish like self-replenishes it rains back down right then 
you know, Penny or like Ebb, who's even more powerful, can use a lot of magic. The mage, too, is very powerful. But it sort of like goes out into the like magical atmosphere and then it can like replenish. But Simon is using it so quickly that it can't get replenished. Like we're assuming this magic is sort of like rain fed, right? Sort of like the Great Lakes, right? They're melted glaciers. There's no springs feeding them. If Nestle turns them all into bottled water, then there's just no more Great Lakes because they're only replenished by rain. So like if it basically has to like rain back down, but Simon puts all of it into one place in a very short amount of time, then it can't refill. Yeah. And I mean, Penny's dad thinks that the, that the magical ecosystem will repair itself over time. And I think that makes sense too. Yeah. And like, maybe what was, maybe the intention that the mage thought he was trying to do was sort of have, I don't know, Simon be like a bioswell where it's like absorbs an incredible amount of magic that you wouldn't normally be able to absorb because of all the fucking bullshit he did with Lucy and his unborn fetus. But it didn't quite work out that well. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. now just all this magic being uh, wasted and not being kept in Simon, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think I just used Bioswell correctly. Sorry. I (laughs) just... (laughs) I'm not not even going to look it up. Someone can mail me if they're like, actually... Simon Simon should have been a swamp, but he is not at all. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really fascinating that both Baz and Penny just intuitively understand that there's a connection between Simon and the humdrum, even before they really get it. Yeah. Like, in the very beginning of the book, Penny was like, I just think that's what the humdrum looks like. Like, I don't know why. That's just, that's just what I feel. I'm pretty sure this is not, like, a glamour. I just think that's what the humdrum looks like. And Baz also is like, nope, that's, that's Simon. This is not like a coincidence. This is not fucking with Simon. Like Simon and the humdrum are the same thing. Yeah. And I don't know. I think that's really interesting. Yeah. Maybe it's just so, it's just like such a like magical intuition, like sort of how humans in general are for the most part really good with, being able to pick out if something doesn't look quite human. Like if mm-hmm. people like people who are like, we're going to build realistic robots or these realistic computer generations. And you're like, something is just off enough and I can't describe what it is, but that is you're failed. Right. Like the uncanny Valley. Yeah. 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 Maybe it's sort of like that kind of, you really, it's like maybe hard to like quantify why, but your brain and maybe your brain on magic is just like, nope, that is, in fact, that is Simon. Something mm-hmm. about this is similar enough to Simon that I just understand that that is what's going on. <laughs> so, And it could just be a thing of having grown up magical to be able to sense, you know, those things. Or maybe it's through, like, we learn not to touch hot things. And when things are too cold from being kids and being like, as a hot stove, that hurt. That's not happening again. Right. But there's also still things that even without having to be told as children, we're like, something about snakes and spiders is inherently creepy and horrifying to a lot mm-hmm. of people. And it's like, that's just, that's gotta be just lizard brain shit. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think considering how 
mages feel about when the in the dead zones yeah there must just be some kind of like being magical gives you sort of an extra sense about other magical things mm-hmm. i think that makes a lot of sense um i just want to mention talk about um that nico and ebb can use each other's wands mm-hmm. which is interesting that maybe something about their magic is also identical but for the folks that listen also to the gaily prophet makes more sense than having identical freckles which is not a real thing (laughs) (laughs) you know that's such an interesting point i wonder if you also can like get emotionally close enough with someone that you're not related to that you like become able to use each other's wands interesting that's a really excellent question or is it like a genetic thing where maybe people in families can use similar magical wands or magical instruments i was thinking that just now too because you inherit it it has to be like passed down in your family so it's like either either of their magic instruments could have gone to the other one instead because like they just both were you know in the family it was whatever just choice of the parents presumably who got which thing so maybe that has to do with it too although i don't know that i i don't know that i would say like genetics so much as like family connection because i think that would be true like if they were adopted also that's true yeah it's a good point actually it does bring up how the hell magical wands get made in this world yep uh, also, as someone who has not read the last book, I don't know if this is going to come up in, a f- in the future, but I would love to see a return of Nico. I'm sure people have read this or maybe screaming at me or not, but I can hope. I'm just chewing my gin-soaked peaches. Oh, wait, have you already read the last book? nothing away. Yeah. Oh, okay. Shit, I do really need to read it this week. I'm going on vacation for a week. I'm going to have so much time to read this book. I'm so excited for you and to read it. maybe cry in the woods. Probably cry in the woods. Good times. Uh, what do you have next? I only have one thing left, which is Eb is said to have uh, called every shaggy dog <laughs> in the county like the Pied Piper. So I was like, what spell do you use for that? And there's something called a shaggy dog story, which is a kind of joke. That's a very long joke that doesn't have a punchline, and the lack of a punchline is the punchline. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing I could find. Interesting. But I feel like Shaggy Dog Story seems like a thing that you could totally turn into a spell to call every Shaggy Dog. In the I know the fact that he specifically says Shaggy Dog means okay, this has to be connected to. Right, it's a specific spell. I'm so glad you looked that up. I didn't have time, but I said a question. I'm like, what spell is this? Because this is too specific. For... Nico was too specific about the, the kind of dog for this to not to be a spell. That is also a magical ability I wish I could have. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. I'd be the most popular animal rescuer. <laughs> oh my god, imagine casting 101 Dalmatians, though, because that would be the worst Yes, they are very pretty, but maybe don't have one, let alone 101. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So my last thing is that when uh, Baz is ensnared by the humdrum, 
Simon describes his fangs as just a mouthful of knives, which gave me very, I'm like, oh, sort of like Buffy vampires, where it's just fangs, just straight up fangs. Just all the teeth are sharp and jagged. See, thanks to you in a recent episode, I now read it as Baz has anglerfish mouth. <laughs> 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 I found it very upsetting. <laughs> Yep, that would work too. <laughs> also deeply upsetting. Deeply, so deeply terrible. upsetting. Yeah, not sexy at all. No. <laughs> no. I hope that like the influence of the humdrum sort of brings out like an extra level of vampireness that like normal feeding baths doesn't get into. Yeah. I think that makes sense. Considering the humdrum seems to be very good at making uh, beings do things and be things they don't, would not normally. Yep. Thank you for listening to this episode of Escape from Reality. Next time we will be reading chapters 72 through 75. That's a lot of pages, but it's just what we gotta do. <laughs> Gotta make sure that I write that down so I do the reading myself. (laughs) What do I say next? Escape from Reality is a product of Hashtag Ruthless Productions and is produced, mixed, and edited by me. And if you like this podcast and you also like Harry Potter, you should check out our other podcast, The Gaily Prophet. And if you like Buffy you could consider joining our Patreon where you can listen to our Buffy podcast. We are the Gayers, along with getting episodes of Escape from Reality early and extended with content about things like Cruella and 101 Dalmatians, this episode, for example, and other stuff. It's really fun. Uh, yeah. I've just been going rogue on you for the last bunch of outros. I'm just like, here's some stuff that came into my mind to say. And you're like, here's our outline, Lark. What are you doing? <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's all right. Um, okay, seriously, y'all, you should just follow us on Instagram at the Gaily Prophet. We do often post awesome carry-on things. Uh, also on our Twitter at the Gaily Prophet. And then you should share it with your friends because it is very entertaining. Uh, you can find us on the internet, like I said, on our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash thegailyprofit. You can go to our website, which is hashtag ruthless.com, which is where our merch shop is. You can listen to episodes there. You can make a donation there if you want to. There's a bunch of stuff on our website. It's cute. If you want to follow me on the internet, I'm on Instagram at Lark Malachi, and my website is LarkMalachi.com, and that's where you can get a tarot reading from me. Uh, and if you want to follow me on the internet, you can find me on Instagram at LiveFromDetroit, and on Twitter at Jesse underscore Detroit. Our show art is by me and Theo Julian Forrester. Our theme song music is by kevin mcleod and the rest of the music in the episode is bohemian rhapsody by queen and until next time scatamoosh all right get hyped to talk about sad stuff it's gonna be funny